Hey, this is Rob, and that's Micaiah, and you are listening to You Forgot One. Today on You Forgot One, The Battle of Pavement. Micaiah, you say crooked rain, crooked rain. I say slanted and enchanted. And so we brought our good friends, Elizabeth Nelson and Tim Bracey from the Paranoid Style to help us make the decision about what the best album is by one of the quintessential 90s alt-rock bands. So before we get into it, Micaiah, tell our listeners what they need to know about Pavement. Exactly what you said. I mean, definitely in my mind, they are the quintessential alt-rock band of the 90s, but they could be one of the quintessential alt-rock American bands, period. I mean, just they're in that legacy of the Velvet Underground replacements, R.E.M., Sonic Youth, Pixies, and then in the 90s with all of that kind of, you know, listening to that growing up, they show up in the 90s and change music just the same as any of those acts did, you know? Uh, I think they maintain to be one of the most influential bands of their time. Their, their influence was, was immediate and it's it's current, you know, this this it never went out of fashion pavement and it never sounds dated um even though what we are discussing today is you know they, they only released five albums um and today we're discussing their debut album from 92 slanted enchanted and their sophomore album from 94 crooked rain crooked rain and they haven't aged a day you know this is still the production is still cool um it's not like a lot of the hip-hop that we've been you know covering we're just like oh boy those lyrics are um not great not not great for our you know 2023 years uh but we're fine in 1992 or maybe they not even then for you know um so i mean just everything about them has has aged beautifully so much so that you know they're they're touring again and you know uh, i'm gonna see them uh in a couple weeks or you know or depending when this comes out a week and Rob, you're actually going to get, and it'll be my first time. I'm going to see them with the national in Cincinnati and Rob, you're going to see them for the first time as well. Correct. Yeah. They're playing a hopscotch festival here in Raleigh. Yeah. So, I mean, they're no, no new music, just going out playing the hits, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is funny, you know, cause they don't really have really classic hits um yet they have a number of just stone cold classics within you know indie rock and alternative rock though oddly in the era of tiktok they they had a b-side that has now become their most streamed song by a lot uh you know there are 20 you know you can you can get some of your crooked rain songs that come in like 20 or 40 million streams and then you have i think is it harness hope uh, a b-side you know from like the brian the corners era um has over 100 million streams um it's a wild it's a wild era we live in and so here's what i will say you know as we talk about these two albums uh, listener I mean, obviously, when you pressed play on this podcast, you saw Pavement in the title. But if you've gotten this far into the episode and you're thinking about turning it off because you're going, I'm not going to know any of this music, 
I promise you, even though we don't think of this as a band that had a ton of like big hits, we're going to play a bunch of music in this podcast by pavement that will be immediately recognizable to you because their music has found its way everywhere. Not just on TikTok, as this one B side we're talking about this music and maybe it's just time has finally caught up with how good this band was 30 years ago. Um, but man, you're finally starting to hear a lot of this music show up in movies and television shows. Uh, you're, you're starting to see it show up on uh, some of your favorite artists when they do like curated playlists. You're getting pavement songs on there. So you're going to be familiar with a lot of the music that you hear in this episode. I mean, Malcolmus gets referenced in the Barbie movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's, you know, who's, you know, which is written, co-written by Noah Baumbach, who, you know, was starting to make movies in the mid, early, mid nineties when pavement was, you know, also, you know, um, dominating college radio stations, you know, so clearly there's an influence on, on him as well. But yeah, if you've ever been uh, in a record store, or listened to a college radio station, you've probably heard a number of these songs, uh, many times and you'll yeah so let's let's get into the list let's let's get into this so these are albums that are beloved uh, especially in certain circles but have also been pretty well loved by the rolling stone list yeah so both the albums we're talking about today have have both made every iteration of the rolling stone 500 uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but let's start with Slanted and Enchanted. Give us the numbers for Slanted and Enchanted, their debut album. So in 2003, it was 134. That's not bad. For an album that had only been out for about 10 years, you know, that's that's pretty good. Um, and then in 20, uh, and then 2012, went to 135. So probably one other record went in front of them and just boop, gave it a little bump. However... In 2020, it went to 199. I think that's indicative of the 2020 list, though. I, I most most rock albums went down on the 2020 list, especially indie rock, kind of alternative rock. It it, it took some hits, but some things went up. Like uh, "Let It Be" by the Replacements, I think, went up, but at the same time, Tim went off. Yeah, you know. So there's you know some some give and take there, um, but also. On the NME 500, it's uh, 206. Mm-hmm. And that enemy list came out in 2013. So hopefully now in 2023, they'll make a new list. Uh, that would be exciting. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd like to see it. But what about what about Crooked Rain and Crooked Rain, their follow-up 1994 album? That's been in all of the Rolling Stone lists as well. Yes. Uh, it's, it's always been there. It started at 210 behind 134 for Slanted. Um, then in 2012, went to 212. Again, every album after a certain number kind of goes down a couple you know, spots. Uh, but then in 2020, 434. That's um, a big drop. A, a great big drop. And now here's the thing. What's, what's interesting about that is that Wowie Zowie in 2020 is on the list for the first time at 265 which is much higher than the 434. And what's, what's happened over time with this catalog is that I think Crooked Rain 
has the reputation of being the uncoolest pick because it has cut your hair, which is a big single used in movies and who knows where else, you know, just, so I think it, it has a little less cool to it, but wowie Zowie being the most challenging of the pavement records, um, I think is the, is the hip cool pick, but also a great record that deserves to be on the list anyway. And so that, that one has definitely grown in appreciation. If it, if it were just kind of like misunderstood when it came out, um, it's definitely found an audience now. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have all three of those albums represented. I think that all five, mm-hmm. you know, might have, there might be room on the top 500 Rolling Stone list for all five of them, to be honest. Uh, I, because there are no cringy, God awful albums in this catalog. It's pretty exceptional. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. And, and you and I, as, as we've been talking about pavement, um, you know, I shared with you earlier today that all five of these albums, if I was doing a personal 500, all five would make my personal 500. Yeah, same. Now, another interesting thing is that NME has uh, Bright in the Corners at 228. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I will say this about Bright in the Corners, that 1997 album, um, it... I think because it's their fourth album and because Wowie Zowie was arguably their most challenging album, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people slept on Bright in the Corners for a long time and yeah. maybe missed what a what a good album that is. Part of its return to form, um, which sometimes that can be good, sometimes that can feel like Oh, they're trying to, to win people back. So sometimes that can be off-putting, but I, I don't think that record is necessarily doing that. But it can definitely be perceived that way. Uh, but you know, I I love Brian the Corners. Um now, however, calling ourselves out here, when we did our best of nineteen ninety-seven, neither of us had it. However, yeah, I don't think it's a top ten nineteen ninety-seven album. Well, Certainly not for for you and I when we made the those lists. However, uh, our guest from the 1997 episode did have Bright in the Corners mm-hmm. uh, on their list, uh, and that is, of course, Elizabeth and Tim from the Paranoid Style. Who, when we told them we were going to do Pavement this season, they said, "Look no further. Right, we will be there in the time, in the place." And we had to do that a couple times uh, just because scheduling is hard uh, because it's not the COVID era like when we first started doing this. Uh, But we finally got them here on what is uh, one of our last albums of the season. So yeah, this will be our our second to final episode of this is our second to final episode of our third season. Um, For our listeners, Makai and I have already begun the process of starting to put together our uh, 20, our list of 50 to compile the 25 albums that will make our season four list. Uh, what will be our fourth and final season of the album podcast? Um, but as we talk more about it in the final episode of this season, we'll tell you more about kind of what's cooking and what we're thinking about doing as we transition. You forgot one 
into doing something a little different. And we hope that you're going to be excited about it. But without saying anything else, let's go ahead and go to the break. Let's hear from our sponsors, Mirror Coffee Roasters and Spotify for Podcasters. And we will be back with our friends, the Paranoid Style. Listener, I want to take a quick second and tell you about Mirror Coffee Roasters. Mirror Coffee Roasters have a modern take on your coffee experience designed to elevate what's good. Their unique lighter roasting approach paired with outstanding coffees from all around the world will leave you with delicious flavor profiles to enjoy right from your home or cafe. They believe in relationships and sustainability, and that's what you taste in every cup of Mirror Coffee Roasters. I want to encourage you to go to their website, mirrorcoffeeroasters.com today, and pick up their coffee box, a four-bag sampler box with some of their best coffees from Colombia, Indonesia, Guatemala, in other places around the world. At Mira Coffee Roasters, the goal has always been to use coffee as a tool for change. Whether that's a bag of coffee on a kitchen counter or running a relationship-focused business that goes far beyond generic marketing labels. They want to be a force for good in the industry and beyond. So check out Mira Coffee Roasters today. Listeners, you know them. They are a fifth, sixth time guests. Uh, they are friends. They are the two most consistent members of the Paranoid Style. They are Tim Bracey and Elizabeth Nelson. It's so good to have y'all with us. Thanks for being back on the pod. Great to be here and excited to talk about one of the best bands of all time. Well, let's start there. When did when did the two of you first hear Pavement? And what has their music meant to you over the years, especially just knowing your ages and, and kind of being a part of that like sweet spot of 90s alternative? I just imagine this had to be such an influential and important band to you. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was a dork, you know, I mean, I was an indie music dork. I was living in Athens, Georgia, and, you know, this was the time of the Elephant Six stuff and the, uh, uh, you know, drive-by truckers are getting started and Vic Chestnut and, uh, all kind of a stuff. And, 
And it was a real, you know, part of that circuit and in ear to the rail kind of community. And so, you know, and then you started to hear about, you know, sleigh tracks and you started to hear about, I never heard, I mean, like, I didn't get that, but like, you know, and then Slanted was like a rumor. I mean, it was like, eh? you know, it was like all the record store uh, owners were like, this is the album. Here it is. It finally happened. You know, and I was like, right, right. And, there, and I, I, my, 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 my sense is, and I may be romanticizing this in my recollections, my feeling was that Matador, which was very fledgling, didn't press nearly as much as what the demand turned out to be. So you like waiting three months for your copy of Slanted, you know, like, ah. and, and then it overlapped for me in the meantime, I remember Everett True from NME. I mean, I'm just like such a dork, but like, so, I mean, I think ultimately I heard that in Crooked Rain almost kind of simultaneously because, you know, I'm between my catching up on different things or whatever. And I remember Everett True, uh, who was uh, uh, the world's greatest booster journalism, but writing a track by track breakdown, an enemy of which I read on an airplane of Crooked Rain. And I just being like, this is going to be the best album I've ever heard in my life. And lo and behold, uh, it practically was. Uh, it was. Um, so, yeah, it was a thunderbolt for sure. And it did have that sense of like, you know, Sonic Youth promised and here it is, you know, like the Sonic Youth prophesized and here they come. That's how, you know, so how it felt, you know. But what about you, Beth Ann? I, I, I had a similar sort of experience. I think actually uh, the first record I heard was Crooked Rain. Um, and that was partially because Slanted was so hard to get and Crooked Rain was a little bit more popular. I'm slightly younger, uh, but equally dorky to my husband so i mean like i was definitely it had my ear to the ground on a lot were of you stuff. in college i was i was in high school still in high yeah school. still in high school when crooked rain came out um but uh it was it was a bigger record and i think by then you know the the hype had fulfilled itself and so um i also had an older brother who worked at a record store in manhattan uh new york city and uh so he had access to cooler stuff than what we could get at like r d shop or whatever so um so i heard crooked brand i think when it came out and i was it blew my mind and i was all yeah like you said it was that sweet spot of you know, 90s alt. Um, but this was, you know, one of the few bands where I thought like, I, I really, these songs really got to me and I really understood them in a way that I didn't necessarily connect with other, other bands. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I, I was, you know, in love from the start with the sound and obviously they're like the coolest guys. So it was just, it's sort of slammed on for me. For me, my exposure for them was the Brady Bunch soundtrack when uh, Jan goes to get her hair cut. Yeah, so I always forever, you know, I associated that song with Jan from the from the Brady Bunch. So yeah. the, the, the least cool way you can get into pavement, that's me. Uh, that's, I had to, it's, that's totally right. And I forgot that they did that. I, and it's totally, it's so them, you know, I like guess so. Like funny. Those movies are fun. I stand by yeah. them. Oh yeah, the yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, dude. Those are funny movies. Yeah. So, yeah. but you know, it's funny you mentioned Micaiah that cut your hair was kind of your introduction to that movie in, in that movie. Cause for me, that was my first introduction to pavement. So 
Um, I was not old enough yet to have heard anything about Slanted and Enchanted other than I think I had read a Rolling Stone uh, issue where like they had given it a review, but it was one of the like small reviews. It wasn't one of their main articles. Uh, so I was familiar with the album cover, but the first time I ever actually heard Pavement, uh, I'm going to shout out Miami, Florida's own WZTA Zeta 94.9, the the rock alternative station that influenced all of my uh, uh, 90s alternative listening. And uh, when Cut Your Hair came out as that lead single from Crooked yeah, Rain, Rain uh, that was, you know, that was my first exposure and then picked up this album. Um, and again, I didn't know until much later that, you know, they had had these kind of three pretty underground EPs and had been signed to a different label before Matador and all the stuff was slanted and chanted. For me, I picked up Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain on CD and man, just loved it, loved everything about that album. And really it wasn't until years later, it was, I was probably 17, 18 years old when I finally went back and kind of I, I could, that was right around the time Bright in the Corners had come out. And then that's when I went back and picked up Wowie Zowie, Bright in the Corners, and Slanted and Enchanted. Uh, yeah. I mean, if they only made Crooked Rain, uh, they're a great rock band. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a great rock record. I mean, so it, 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 to this day, uh, something I can put on almost without, uh, without, uh, any uh, any mood, any activity, and, and feel elevated. It elevates me later, and it elevates me presently. It's already been thrown around. I don't remember if we were recording yet when this happened, but talking about Paven as an all-time great band. And I've always thought of them as like the 90s band. Like they just like, hey, what's the 90s sound like? We'll pick up like any one of these like five records. Like you'll you'll get you'll get the idea. So for y'all, what makes Pavement one of the all-time great bands and specifically kind of the quintessential like alt rock band we also mentioned you know sonic youth earlier um so and then like that legacy of alternative rock so what where, where are they coming from and what and kind of what's their legacy i mean it's just interesting for me because there were a lot of bands if you had asked me probably 15 20 years ago who was the best band in the 90s who was the one that 
you know, who, who was the one that you love the most that you would go back to the most. And, uh, I, you know, and I, I, there were times where I might've, you know, thrown in a dinosaur or super chunk or Sonic youth. And I still love this mess, uh, enormously, but pavement has separated themselves from me for some reason, uh, as the time has gone by and, uh, as I've aged, I find that I relate to the music and the same, different, you know, a different wavelength, but there seems to be something and I don't know if it's just kind of like the rough sort of stoner head kind of thing of like Malcolmus is always, there's always a sense of the global sweep of human history in there somewhere, you know, it's like there's a, uh, you know, um, or, but there seems to be an expansiveness that grows with me in that band that I don't associate to even their really, really wonderful peers. And I mean, maybe I would accept Sonic Youth, but I mean, I'm a pop guy and so much of Sonic Youth is so abrasive. For me, it's pavement. I don't know. They're and all their records. I love all their records. Uh, and they're, and they're weird and they're, and they digress enormously. And, you know, and some days, you know, I mean, I, some days I'm like, it's a, you know, it's a wowie zowie day. I mean, I'm just not quite with it. And uh, that's the headspace I want to be in. And, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, of uh, a million minds. And so it's Dare Twilight. But I think that catalog and, and, and all the EPs, Watery Domestic, all that stuff, you know, so good. And, uh, and the outtakes and strings in Nashville. I think they're the, I think that, I think they're it. Uh, we talk about them. I, well, I mean, I'm not going to utter the S word, um, which is slacker, um, because I think they're painted with that brush a little bit unfairly. Um, although, and I do think that is one of the reasons why, uh, people would associate them with Gen X, uh, with, you know, my, 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 my generation. Um, because like, they they do cut the figure of slackers perhaps in the way that they you know dress and present themselves but i definitely i never think of milkmas as a slacker so avoiding that whole thing that i think is why oh this is like the quintessential 90s band is because they you know embody what you know was also emphasized in the link later film of the same name um i don't i don't personally buy that i do think that um yeah, yeah like you know tim was saying um i i prefer them to their peers um and i think you know if we're just going to get down to kind of like quantitative you know m metrics or whatever their guitar tone uh you know the malcolm's lyrics for sure are, are complex and and interesting in a way that you probably wouldn't get from like crosby stills and nash um you know they are they are interesting and political but also you know he's just a wordsmith and he likes to play with words and he doesn't give a shit like if he falls out of meter um i think another thing that's sort of cool about them that like comparing them to like super chunk or something is that they can find a groove um in a way that is really interesting it like because i feel like super chunk is like so you know unrelenting in their speed and their in their punk attitude and i i think that 
Sonic Youth is cooler, more California, um, and can kind of lay into a groove in a way that Superchunk doesn't. So I, I feel like they've got this kind of broad, broader palette than than some of their peers. These are just thoughts, um, but I definitely, obviously, they are you know a part of the '90s, and and you know their their optics look that way, and and you know they were big Lollapalooza act and everything else. So they they certainly owned the time in which they were really popular um so it's easy to associate them and and yeah i mean they were staples on 120 minutes and so they have all of those kind of benchmarks that you have to hit to be a cool 90s band but they're also just the coolest i do want to comment on something you just you just mentioned elizabeth which is that they were this kind of kind of ever-present 90s whether it was Lollapalooza whether it was 120 minutes like everywhere alternative music was found in the 90s they were there but in some ways I I I think of them as a kind of quintessential 90s alt rock band because of the fact that they were the one who never broke mainstream like they were on 120 minutes constantly you were never going to see them between 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. on MTV. Like it, it was this kind of strange, this strange thing where they were um, among so many alternative 90s bands. And it's it's easy to forget now because so much of radio and what's popular is, is pop, um, is hip hop and pop. But because rock and even alternative rock was so popular in the 90s, to think about a band that was this good, that somehow didn't break through that ceiling into the kind of pop sphere, into the kind of the wider uh, sphere of popularity, is is one of those things that I, I think kind of gives them a cool factor that yeah. that a lot of their contemporaries lost because in the, in the minds of the larger kind of music consumer they became one hit wonders and so if you, yeah. you know if if pavement had broken through a little bit more or if cut your hair had become like a number one pop single everyone would think of pavement as a one hit wonder rather than thinking of them as this kind of all-time great alternative if there's an overarching theme um with pavement um, you know, I mean, it's a, a, that this sort of simultaneous revulsion and attraction to the idea of ambition and the idea of success and the, you know, I mean, you know, I was dressed for success, but success, it never came. And, you know, Elizabeth wrote a really great, um, they, they reissued tear twilight and a couple of years ago, and she wrote a really good review on pitchfork about, um, the reissue that dealt with a lot of this stuff, but I mean, essentially it's this question of what are we comfortable with? And yes, the, the material rewards and the vanity of really succeeding is profoundly, profoundly, you know, that is a, you know, a siren call, but it seemed to me they never had temperamentally. And I guess this is probably down to Malcolmus at the end of the day, who may as well have been assembled in a rock star factory. You know, he just didn't want to do it. And I don't know, this is an ethos that was so formulative to both Beth and I, and we both have such to an almost, you know, to an extent that can be admittedly exhausting, but such a, such a profound identification and sympathy with an underdog and in such a profound suspicion of what, like what is being really famous mean? Like what you know, if all these people are listening to you? Is that have you done done it well or have you royally fucked up? And these are guys, you know, who never quite 
cross that Rubicon, but within the effort and you know, the intrigue is, you know, I think endless and compelling. the slacker thing yeah i mean like is it just because he's like from santa cruz but he also went to like university of virginia not really a slacker school i know total type a like you know captain of the tennis team you know right. kind of, you know i'm gonna yeah i mean totally yeah. that's but slacker comes out 91 and slanted comes out 92 they're just so close to each other that i guess it's just like kind of easy to group them and just like, I guess the guitars themselves sound a little out of tune. So it's like, oh, I guess they don't care what they're playing. But there's, right, there's the, there's actually quite a lot of thought into those tunings and everything, you know, that people just kind of don't don't fully understand. And that's that's fine because the mystery is fun too. Like what Rob is saying, they never did the Nirvana thing. They never like knocked Michael Jackson out of the number one spot like Nirvana, you know, so like they were the alternative to the alternative. Like what Paven was doing was not cool. Grunge was cool. You know, right. like they were alternative to the alternative music, which is a neat spot to kind of be. I mean, they, they really are just like in a real sweet spot. Yeah. Back to the, the Sonic Youth comparison. I think that's true too. Even like Pixies, I think like Sonic Youth, Pixies, Pavement are kind of just like the trifecta, just like those are kind of the three American all rock bands. I like the replacements analogy too, because they, you know, really from ninety one or eighty one to ninety, if you you know, really kind of own American kind of alt rock and kind of really pioneer what that even is. Um, they are pretty analogous to that, but I was I because I've been thinking of them as like the Smiths, who yeah. showed up in an even shorter time. You know, recording history of like eighty four to eighty seven, four LPs couple compilations call it quits change music forever yeah 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 yeah. and pavement you know 92 to 99 own the decade call it quits come back 20 years later for the reunion tours change yeah. music forever you know just like you know there's you know a lot of bands are like oh what if they had stayed together but like i really like the model of like 
four or five albums, completely change the game and dip. You know, I think that's an equally exciting clash. Yeah, 77 yeah. to 82, proper, and then yeah. dip. Yeah. You know? I do want to take a moment here and just uh, maybe just share, you know, thinking about moments and times or spaces and times we wish we had been a part of what it must have been like to be a student in the mid eighties at UVA where your student radio station DJs were Stephen Malkmus, David Berman of the silver Jews and James McNew of Yolo Tango. Um, Darius Van Arman from Jag Jaguar is at school there too. I mean, you know, and I, you know, and and, and I don't, I don't, I don't know why I keep talking about that, but um, the, I, I can say that for me, like I, um, uh, you know, worked at ninety point five uh, at WUGA, uh, UGA, uh, and um, and it was like, you know, it, it was at a particular time when, and I'm sure the city is thriving now, but uh, the the program director who had an iron fist but a very clear vision was Phil Waldorf, who started Dead Oceans. Wow. Um, you know, the DJ before me was Jeff Mangum, uh, who I play. Not- <laughs> Uh, how have we not heard that story before field recordings he happened to have you know live in the lobby was you know patterson hood jamming with big chest and it was just like and it was like it was like oh my god i mean it's like you know i mean i you know and you're, you're sort of like none of these people were especially well known or famous in the moment but there was this, this, this sense of like oh my god you know like you're surrounded by something and it's a really it's an incredibly powerful thing and beth was in and around the really interesting scene in Bloomington, which was, you know, the height of Magnolia Electric Company and all this other stuff. Kind of dark, I mean, probably, but like, and like that stuff is like, yeah, you know, I mean, so I would assume that would have been transformative. And that's like, yeah, the idea of, you know, Berman and, 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 and Malcolm and McNew down there, you know, it's just like, that's electricity comes from other planets, but that's like, uh, that's a pretty big deal. I wanted to add one more thing about just what makes them kind of quintessential and and so great is one, they're like immediate influence. You know, a lot of people very quickly grabbed onto what they were doing and ran with it. Like the elephant six people who were just like, Hey, let's do um, late sixties beach boys meets pavement. Let's go, you know? And even, you know, for the stuff I was actually, you know, old enough to catch on like as they were happening i think someone like kurt vile matador label mate you know also very much caught on to the the jangly stonery kind of aspects of of pavement as well and lyrically i think you know so very like immediate impact on on alt music and a a legacy of just continuing to influence like pretty big names you know and more so than i think as much as everyone loves you know, the Pixies and Sonic Youth, I think in indie rock, you can still hear more of Pavement's influence than the other two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pavement musically may be actually more important.
speaking of slanted and enchanted, because we we have a job to do here, and that's decide between slanted and enchanted and crooked rain, crooked rain, because y'all know we have a one album per artist rule on this list that we're trying to create. So let, let's get into slanted and enchanted. What would be the case for this album making our list? I mean, it's, you know, shock and awe. I mean, you know, I mean, it's clearly like, I remember, you know, uh, I feel like Malcolmus tells a story uh, about, you know, they're all in New York and he's working at the Whitney with, you know, there's a security guard with, with, uh, with uh, Paul Berman and, and um, they're kind of, you know, they're buddies, but they're competitive and they're trying to get their music out there. And then Malcolmus goes back to Stockton with Gary Young and gets Canberg and sort of is like, quit college and go, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you know, come, come record. This is going to be a big deal. And they go into Gary Young's studio when they come out with this thing and he returns to New York and he plays it for Berman and Berman says, Oh, well now you're going to be popular. And, you know, I mean, it's sort of this idea of this, you know, it, it is a, you know, it's a, it, it, this is kind of the completion of a young artist, you know, a portrait of an artist as a young man who's got a full vision that's just kind of cohering and he's, you know, you know, he's vibing between these, you know, super, you know, like, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously the pop songs are incredible. I mean, you know, the, you know, Summer Babe is an incredible song. Um, you know, Loretta, Loretta Scars is an incredible song. The hooks are amazing. Um, and then there are the experiments and then there's here, which is like, okay. I mean, the maybe the most beautiful ballad written in the nineties. I don't know. You know, it's just kind of out of nowhere. And so I think what you see with Slanted is that this is the emergence of a top level. Like now we have a guy who is not going anywhere. This is a top, you know, top shelf, big ticket talent that we're going to be reckoning with 30 years in the future. And that's what that album seems to say. And it's its scope and its ambition and its wit and its you know, sadness. I mean, so it was a this big fucking swing from an ambitious guy and it connected. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with everything that Tim said. I, I mean, I think that you could just, you know, make it the case for it on Summer Babe alone. I mean, that song is pretty close to perfect. Yeah. And you don't, that doesn't happen often. And he's had a bunch of those kind of pop sort of sensations but that one was really standard i mean it doesn't just fall off the turnip truck you know i mean it you know you know it's completely it's like so much of it is is hiding in plain sight like oh like it's one of these songs where it's like sweet jane or something it's like this song didn't exist and now my life is immensely improved by the fact that i've heard it uh but at the same time i feel like i've heard it my whole life you know i mean it's like that's when you have that kind of talent, you can connect in that way. And, and what is it, you know, four measures of, you know, before he opens his mouth. I'm glad you mentioned sweet Jane, because we haven't talked about Lou Reed, but pretty important to, to Malcolm's, right? He's doing at times a Lou Reed impression. And which which everyone should be doing if they were smart enough as a vocalist and as a guitarist, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I've heard him say, you know, I can do some of that, or, I mean, he's, maybe he's doing a VU impression, you know, he's like, I can do some of that Sterling Morrison stuff. He says very, you know, like offhandedly, cause I've played guitar for 40 years and I can't fucking do any of it. So, you know, he's very like, you know, um, but yes, the velvets are, you know, the velvets are the right. 
the Velvet Circle Road Star for Slandon. I mean, I know people talk about the fall and you can definitely hear some Pixies in there and you can definitely hear some Westerberg. But I mean, it's it's a, you know, it's an extension of the Velvets um, in a really powerful way um, in his playing and his singing. I love that you mentioned the the ambition and the scope of this album because again this is this is a group by this point they've had three eps come out uh you know malcolm has has demonstrated uh that he is capable of writing a really great song but i i think the breadth of his writing on slanted and enchanted the idea that not only does his album come out this kind of debut full-length album but it's also so fully formed and it's not just one note. I mean, so many people, I think we can listen to Slammed and Enchanted and kind of define it as this kind of lo-fi shoegazing kind of rock, but that's so minimizing to the breadth of the style of music that's on here. And so I love that you mentioned here. Um, uh, I mean, what an incredible ballad kind of hidden away in the middle of this album that obviously opens up with this huge hit that is the winter version of summer babe but then for me also you get these experimental songs like zurich is stained and uh in the mouth of the desert where some of those songs you listen to and that's where i hear the direct correlation again for the music that was so important to me when i was in college I hear the direct correlation between that kind of stuff and so much of like late second, early third wave emo, so much of the early 2000s indie rock, Um, you know, a a lot of the guitar playing, it just feels like it was lifted from this album and then immediately put to nine different bands that had one great album in 2000, 2001. Um, but again, you have all of this on one debut album across 14 tracks, less than 40 minutes. It it really does feel like, and I, and I think we have the tendency as listeners and as fans, I think we have the tendency, the first thing that comes out, the debut that really kind of shocks us and takes our breath away is the one we give so much uh, love and attention to. But Slam and Enchanted is one of those albums where you're like, no, this is absolutely deserving of all of the accolades. Everything we say about it now, you know, wow, 30 years later, more than 30 years now, is is still still holds up and is still true. Well, first I want to say that you're right about even influencing not just like the Elephant Six stuff, but like emo, even because like even like someone like Cap and Jazz is like, oh, what if like Pavement were on Discord Records? You know, just like hardcore punk, but like taking like Malcolm's just like, who cares if I don't sing it correctly, you know, or, you know, just kind of his economy of language being applied to bands, you know, like Tim Kinsella and other projects too, like Owls. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're like in everything, like they're, they're just the easiest, just like, okay, this genre plus pavement, like it was just like such a winning combo um, for this record. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's always something to be said for, you know, a great debut album. Um, we've had a couple this season, Three Feet High and Rising and the first Wu-Tang album. There's just something to be said about something that just like shows up and it's like, this is the new thing, you know, in a time when there were kind of a lot of that kind of uh, seemingly happening, like 
uh, well, never mind. It wasn't a debut album, but you know, a 10, you know, even, you know, just like, there's a lot of things where it's just like, we're kind of like taking over, um, you know, fighting for like, you know, cultural dominance, the first even tribe album in 1990, you know, like the early nineties, there's just a lot of very exciting debuts happening. And this is chief among them. You know, this is the one that I think people, oh, well, that people keep returning to uh, just for endless amounts of of influence and ideas. You know, uh, you know, each each one of these songs, I think this is a Velvet Underground thing, too. Each one of these songs, you know, a different band can be formed, you know, for many yeah. of these 14 songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's, that's exciting. I want to mention one more thing before we move on to Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, and, and, and it really kind of ties into something we've talked about, about Pavement as as a band, and, and specifically Stephen Malcolmus. And, and Elizabeth, it's something you've mentioned now twice, in kind of this this kind of Gen X slacker idea, which which again is as you know being a being a member of Gen X, like does not feel authentic to my generation. It feels it feels very much like another generation's commentary on on my generation. It in one of the things that I hear, even in this debut album, is this: yes, there's an ambition here. Yes, there is a. It's not laziness. This is someone who clearly. I mean, just look at the output in terms of the sheer amount of of music he's written at this young of an age. Like this is this is not someone who is a slacker. But I do think there is a relationship. There is a there's a calculus going on, and it is one that I think we are going to start to see as we move into Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, which is this calculus between ambition and authenticity, and and it does feel like this kind of marker of um, of of my generation of Gen X. To, to value authenticity above ambition. And, and so almost this thing of, it seems like Stephen Malcolmus learns very quickly as Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain is coming together. 
what it will cost in terms of his authenticity to become really successful to 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 be one of the acts that really breaks through and that seems to be a trade-off that he's never willing to make and so while for me crooked rain crooked rain is the most like pop accessible of the five pavement albums even in this album it never comes across as inauthentic it never comes across as Malcolm is going, all right, I'm going to make the pop record. Like it, it all feels completely true to who he is, even as it is a little more polished than slanted and enchanted. So that being said, what for you guys is the argument? What's the, what's the case to be made for crooked rain, crooked rain as the best pavement album? What is it? 13 songs, 13, 14 songs, 13 songs. I don't know. I, it, it, it's one absolutely incredible song after the next. You, you know, you know, the idea is they did Slanted, and it was an absolutely captivating, muscular display of talent. And then can he back it up? Oh, he can back it up. And, you know, and this is, you know, unfair gold sounds, you know, stop breathing, the different moods, the different tones. But, I mean, and so I think, first of all, the, just the quality of the songwriting is incredibly high. And, uh, and, 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 and just, you know, you know, the idea of something like range life, uh, but I, I would, so first that would be my first argument. My second argument is something that Beth mentioned, uh, you were doing like pitchfork best hundred albums of the nineties or whatever. Um, and so she got asked to write up crooked rain, crooked rain. I thought she said something really smart, which is that the idea of, Taking Malkmus is fascination with avant-garde music and punk rock and, uh, you know, the fall and grafting that on to the history of West Coast music, where he was from kind of dating from Buffalo Springfield to Billy Graham, which is where it ends, is it's an idea that sounds absolutely ingenious once you've heard it, but it's a completely crazy notion for yeah. right Like, you know, the idea, like we, you know, that's what the album is. It is it, this incredibly beautiful, you know, kind of uh, overview of his romantic feelings towards that music through the lens of punk rock and avant-garde. And, but, you know, it's like, if you pitch that at a meeting, at Netflix or, you know, whatever exists as a, like, you know, that's not an idea. So he, he made something that was hiding in plain sight, uh, absolutely beautiful, but it was not an intuitive idea. And so I think that's, that excites me about the album too. Yeah. The, the idea of the concept and the extent of the delivery.
Yeah, I feel like he said in an interview, like he wanted to make an Eagles record, mm -hmm. basically. Um, and I think he did. I, I mean, I, I think he. I think I, he said Eagles, but not bad. Eagles, yeah, but Eagles, but good. You no, know, no, but, yeah, Eagles, but good. And it was funny because he didn't say like Eagles, but not so. Like he wasn't derisive like that. It was like Eagles, but like a little better. You know, like if they would only record their songs right. You know, and yeah, kind of. And he delivers. And and I mean, that's, I mean, you know, not that you have to go in with your concept, but I, I'm going to agree with Tim that, like, I think it's a very, very strong collection of songs. Personally, I enjoy listening to it more. We talked about this earlier. You can be in any mood and put it on and it's perfect. Um, and yeah, I just, just pound for pound. I think it's, it's a more enjoyable listen and it still has all of the high highs uh, that we loved about slanted, but now we're refining and it's, it's just a, it's a better, more fun, more enjoyable collection of songs. Um, and, and I, so I, I mean, if that isn't enough to vault it to the top of your list, I want to hear why. To, to be honest about it, when we were nominating albums at the beginning of this season, Micaiah nominated Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, and I nominated Slanted and Enchanted. And I nominated Slanted and Enchanted for all the reasons that we just discussed. But I will tell you, in listening to these five albums over and over again the last few weeks, um, I have come on to the side of Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, because, and, and I love the way you said it, Elizabeth, that it's just fun. And for as, for as much is going on on Slanted Enchanted and as much of his talent and ambition is, is, a, is available to your ears on Slanted Enchanted, if there's one critique I could have of it, it's not fun the whole way through. And, no. and, and that takes away sometimes from just the listenability, especially if you're going to put something on and do something else. Like if you want to have music on that you can just enjoy while you're doing something else. And so for me, if there's, if I'm going to put any pavement album on while doing almost anything, it's going to be crooked rain, crooked rain, because from silence kid to Fillmore jive, I can listen to all 12 songs and they're fun all the way through and and that joy is is i think something that that is on crooked rain crooked rain and i think there are moments of it in wowie zowie um but you don't get a full album of it really anywhere else in pavement's discography and then even in stephen malcolm's solo stuff or his work with the jinx like you don't get a full album of fun the way that crooked rain crooked rain is uh, I guess we can end early. I mean, cats out the bag. So that feels good. This will be a, a you forgot one first <laughs> under an hour. Or Rob and I agree on something. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, of course I agree with with everyone. Um, it's weird because typically Rob's, you know, position on a record, like when we did Sly, he was like, but Stan just has like the better songs. Like, just like look at these songs i was like yeah. but there's a right going on is a better album like because it's a as a whole but yeah. i default to kind of rob's thing it's just like yeah but look at these set of songs like maybe if you only had three pavement songs they might all come from this album 
Right. Like gold sounds, range life, and cut your hair. If you just kind of like, what's like here, quick, get me into pavements. Like, start yeah. with these three and then work your way out, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so there's that. And, but it has all of that stuff, you know, slanted, you know, has the, you know, just for success, but success never came. And in this one, we get that, uh, you know, don't try, 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 try. It's, it's a brand new era. It feels great. It's a brand new era, but it came too late. Um, yeah equally kind of great statement about you know indie rock and I, I think an enduring like i think this will be a record we listen to you know not to be ambitious about there being 30 years from now but you know i mean 30 years from now if there is one so i think it's that good yeah it's, it's so you, tim's, it's tim's question is whether or not there will be a future in 30 years not whether or not we'll still want to listen to Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain in 30 years. That's the <laughs> given whether or not there is a 30 years from now is what's in question for Tim. It's so important. You've already helped us kind of make this decision of what's going to go on our list, but we want to hear because I think for Mackay and I, we believe these are really five tremendous albums that there's not a bad pavement album um, to be a band that is this short lived and, and, and has this impressive a discography is really saying something, but how do you each rank the pavement discography. So maybe going from five to number one, uh, what would be your ranking of the pavement albums? And that was a ranking portion of the program. Oh, always. This is always about ranking and everybody's taking bets too. So. <laughs> and by the way, uh, you know, we do have to of course say, um, Tim and Elizabeth both are, um, gifted and celebrated music journalists. And, um, there's nothing that a music journalist hates more than being asked to rank something or put a list together. And yet it is the single most popular articles they will write over and over again. So we know it is the constant battle for music journalists when we ask them to rank something that they love. But here we are doing it just the same. Oh, please. We love a good editorial hook as much as the next four. Really? Um, <laughs> oh, that's wrong. Okay. All right. So All right. in the fifth, position right. my opinion uh-huh. and i and again there's a five-way tie i have this they're all there, amazing yeah five-way tie for first but terror twilight i'm wearing my terror twilight shirt yeah i love the record i, I saw them on that tour yeah. it didn't seem like they were having a ton of fun and i still had a great time because it was still fucking cool uh in the fourth position i am inclined to put bright in the corners oh um, a record that i love very very much but just let's let's change it up here okay. because i think that's swerve okay three a record that i absolutely adore um 
that is confusing to a lot of people and impenetrable, but one that I think that if you really give it the, I know, the deserves yeah, I is Crooked Rain. No, it's uh, uh, Wowie Zowie. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and I did write about Wowie Zowie for uh, the popular web website, theringer.com. If you're interested in my musings on it, I think it's actually uh, some of Malcolm's most, I mean, talk about ambition, but like his, his most uh, literary uh, preoccupations, uh, you know, brought to song form. Uh, it's a long record and it's, it's, it's super great. Then I think that the next one, obviously for us is going to be slanted and enchanted, which is a great record and could easily best the number one crooked rain crooked rain a perfect record um but they're all great and uh you know there should have been more but maybe there shouldn't have been uh, all right all good. right i mean uh and i'm a, like i'm a i'm a dork i'm a stan i i i, I you know i have but i i honestly and this is how i feel and if you know if if you want to throw tomatoes you can do it i think i i at this juncture in my in my journey, I get both more out of both Wowie Zowie and Right in the Corners than I do from Slanted. Uh, Slanted is shock and awe, but I, I and then I would put Terror Twilight last, and I love that record as well. But there's some I think Wowie Zowie, the, the the aggressiveness, the world building, the sense of them, you know, really mastering kind of like you just the, the just the balls to make that record uh and then also and then right in the corners is a sentimental favorite um I, it's just fine i'll put all right slant it's ahead of bright in the corners but bright in the corners is a sentimental favorite which must be given its its credence and its credit and starlings and the strip scene is a is a is a, you know I, I, I got a lot for, i got a lot i've got a lot of a lot of big love for um for bright in the corners that's my modification. <laughs> <laughs> Mikhail, let's go ahead and hear yours. Mine's uh, the same as Elizabeth, actually. Um, that's so uh, no notes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm I'm going to give a note to all of you um, when I do my five. My number five is Bright in the Corners. My uh-huh. number four is Wowie Zowie. My number three is Terra Twilight which is um for me i think the most criminally underrated of the pavement albums and nigel godrich is i think one of my favorite producers of all time and yet this is an album that suffers from his production um nigel godrich was was clearly trying to remake the bins the the great radiohead album um, when he was producing um, Terror Twilight, and clearly he and Malcolmus were not on the same page. Um, but some of the songs, when they went back uh, in 2012 and they got back together to do the first of the kind of anniversary tours, um, the music they do live from Terror Twilight, it's not much. It's typically spit on a stranger, Carrot Rope, uh, Billy, Platform Blues. But the songs they do live from Terra Twilight hint at what this album could have been had they had a different producer. Um, and so for me, that's that's my take on Terra Twilight. My number two, Slanted and Enchanted. And we are all together on this one. Number one, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. Go back to those cold sounds and keep my eyes. 
Here's what I'd love to do. I'd, I'd love to skip over a top five if you don't mind. And because I don't want to take any time away from our listeners hearing about Paranoid Style back in the studio. Um, first of all, love the new single. Tell us, is is this the new, is this the first single from a forthcoming album? Was this just a one-off we're in the studio and felt like doing something? We're so excited to hear. Okay, cool. One quick thing, though, really quickly, just about Terror Twilight. I love the record, too, by the way. Um, I reviewed it for Pitchfork and because they, they did a reissue uh, uh, last year, two years ago. I can't remember. But anyway, um, there's some fascinating documentation about that production project uh, process and how they brought Nigel Godric into the mix to speak um and uh and like it's it's actually a really really interesting and seems like very fraught and i think you can hear that on the tracks as well um and that like i think the band members were all really upset about it but anyway it's a fascinating drama of a band that is breaking up that having been stated my band is not breaking up we did go to the studio and we recorded 13 original songs for an album that is coming out on the Barn on Records label on February 2nd, Groundhog Day, 2024. It is called The Interrogator. Um, it is some of our most ass-kicking music uh, that we have ever put together. Um, we did release a single on August 28th, which is also my birthday, called I Love the Sound of Structured Class. Um, and you will, can listen to that uh, wherever you stream music, um, as well as at Bandcamp and other hit places um, and the dark web. Um, and uh, yeah, the cool thing about this record is everything. But um, one interesting development is that peter holzapple from the dbs is our lead guitarist and um he contributed so much stuff uh and it's it was a revelation to work with him as an honor obviously we're huge fans um but he had added a whole different texture and flavor to um this record and i'm just incredibly proud of it and um we'll have singles coming out in october and january and then the record comes out in february you have no excuse to not listen to it unless you don't like things that are great but yeah i mean it's it's great and thank you for for asking because we're really really psyched about it and i can't wait to share it with you both and i can't wait to share it with the world um so 
Yeah, I so appreciate this is no. this is a constant question for paranoid style. Um, you uh, you are an incredible band that seemingly never performs. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is there any hope at all as this new album comes out, Groundhog Day of 2024, that there will be opportunities to see Paranoid Style on tour? Well, yeah, I mean, I love, again, your, your optimism that there's going to be a 2024. Um, <laughs> <laughs> will there be rare public appearances? I mean, obviously, um, they will be rare and they will be public. I, I, you know, we don't have anything on the docket so far, but I mean, you, you've seen us at such illustrious spaces at the Pinhook. We um, got to play Twang Fest in St. Louis. Um you know, was it June? It was June. And that was, that was great. We uh, opened for um, Waco Brothers, which was a, a sick bill. Uh, it was so much fun. So we definitely do get out and about and play. And um, hopefully, you know, we'll come to your town to help you party down. Uh, but it will be select. Um, so, yes, of course. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll play a couple shows, of course. I love it. Uh, listeners, of course, you know Elizabeth Nelson and Tim Bracey. It's always such a treat to have them with us. Uh, when we let them go here in just a second, we're going to let you hear the latest single from their forthcoming album. And uh, as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, go find them on whatever streaming platform you use. Follow them. And if I can encourage you to do this, head on over to their band camp don't just stream the single, buy the single, pre-order the album as soon as you can. Uh, it will be worth it. I promise you that. Uh, Tim, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being with us again. Rob and Micaiah, thank you so much for having us. This is always a blast. So as always, thank you for including us.
from a very high shelf. The next time you call me, make sure it's important. Withering on the vine, living by appointment. Everyone's outnumbered and no one has a pass. I love the sound of structured flats. Micaiah, mm-hmm. I wanted to wait until Tim and Elizabeth were not with us anymore to mention this because we have become friends with them over the years, but they don't know us personally well enough to know how much the uh, Richard Linklater uh, before trilogy means to both of us. So anyone I, who senses our vibe probably gets the idea that we're really into. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a shock to anyone. Yeah, by we give way. off we give off the link later vibe. We have to be honest with ourselves. Fair enough. So here's the weird thing that I want to say, and I don't know if you and I have ever actually had a conversation about this, but I am convinced to a certain extent that some of Ethan Hawke's decisions, some of Ethan Hawke's um, acting choices, especially in Before Sunrise, the first movie of the trilogy, is Ethan Hawke doing some version of Stephen Malcolmus. And, and maybe that's just me, but when I watch the Before trilogy um Jesse feels like a character cut from the cloth of Stephen Malcolmus. I think that character, you know, Jesse for sure listens to pavement um, and Sonic youth and pixies and all the bands that we've talked about. And he's, you'd probably be pretty snooty about even REM by that point in their career. But then by before midnight probably would, you know, say that life's rich pageants better than all of them or something. Uh, Cause you know, he's, you know, a little, little contrarian before sunrise. He's actually pretty annoying. It's actually a miracle that Celine wants to spend any time with them. 
which is great because you can kind of see her going back and forth being like, did I make the right choice? Um, but he's, he's just funny enough that where she's like, whatever. Um, no, I, I, I've never thought about that, even though Ethan Hawke is definitely that kind of person for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe cause I, I, I haven't seen enough pictures of, um, Alchemist in like that leather jacket that he has. Uh, that maybe yeah you you could be right um i don't know I'll, I'll have to dig through the criterion bonus features again from the box set to see if i uh if, if he says anything about it but yeah but that that any of those link leader characters especially uh, a movie that's not beloved but i really enjoy suburbia that has original music by sonic youth i think there's some pavement on that soundtrack too I mean that that is a very that 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 movie is very much the vibe of mm. of pavement. Well, I, I wanted to take this opportunity to share that kind of personal thought about movies that mean a lot to us and this band that means a lot to us. Um, because we don't have a weird place to end this episode. Um, this is one of those head-to-head episodes that by the time we got to the episode, we were no longer head-to-head. And we were all on the same page of Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain as our pick. So, Micaiah, let me ask the question, mm-hmm. does Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain belong on our list? Of course. Um, we've talked about the kind of the the bands that inspired them, like the replacements in R.E.M., and they were on by season one. And we've talked about albums that are kind of adjacent or bands that are adjacent to them like sonic youth and pixies yet they're not on our list yet you know so you know pavement yeah uh, if i think all those bands deserve uh to be on here uh which is not to say that they're that we're making an artist pick i don't, I don't want to run the risk of just saying that because we are making an album to us not the 100 best artists trying to make think of the hundred best albums. And I, I think that crooked rain is just, it's, it's so perfectly nineties, but yeah. not in a, like nostalgic way because this album could come out today and perform just as well, you know? Um, so I, I just think that it's so highly influential. The songs are just incredible. The band is great. I mean, there's, there's nowhere to ding it. You know, uh, typically we say, okay, uh, if I have to knock Slane and Chan, I would say this. No one, no one knocked Crooked Rain for anything. Where, where, where would you knock it? The album cover is kind of an eyesore, but it's perfect for what it yeah. is. It, in, in, in fairness, I don't know that it, even even Slane and Chan. I don't know that Pavement has a has a great album cover. Um, I like Bright in the Corners. They they very much they, their album covers very much are of a time they are one of the things again that makes them kind of the quintessential 90s alt rock band is all of their covers look exactly like whatever the common design was from that period of time in the 90s yeah maybe the the packaging of the records haven't um held up as much as the music uh if you if you have to knock it somewhere but at the same time right the package you know the music delivers on what the package is just selling you 
mm-hmm. you know, at face value, you know? So, um, yeah, I think it's, I, I mean, why, why wouldn't it be on our list? If it, I, I would be surprised if anyone could come up with a reason why they wouldn't count it as one of the, the great albums, even one of the great 100 albums. I, I think that there are probably those who are listening who are saying that we are discounting slanted and enchanted by not having it on. I, I think there are people who are probably thinking not that pavement shouldn't have an album, but maybe we have the wrong one. Um, and to that one, I would just say, go listen to crooked rain and listen to it again and again and again and again. And yeah. it's just, it's just the, it's the better tighter album. Well, I actually think that the the best comparison it was that it takes a nation in fear of a black planet. Where it's like, yeah, I know it takes a nation is the, the maybe the more groundbreaking and the most commonly recognized. But actually, fear of a black planet just is a better album. Yeah, like, like front to back, start to finish, just is better. And I feel the way about Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, like no, it it couldn't break new ground like a debut album can you know, but it's just better, you know, mm-hmm. just like there's just a little bit more depth or a little bit more layers. It's, it's a longer album, but just a couple tracks shorter. Um, there's everything you love about Slanted Enchanted, but new musical ideas happening at every turn. Also, you know, it's just, I think it's an incredibly just, you know, the, the creativity that's on that record is, is just awe-inspiring. Yeah, you know, but I, I, I mean, I can say that about any of their albums, but Crooked Rain for me is just—it's—it's uh, it's, it's exceptional. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, listener, what do you think? Do you think Pavement deserves to be on our list? Do you think we got the right choice? Let us know. Reach out to us on X at You Forgot One Pod on Instagram at You Forgot One. Um, of course, our website is youforgotone.com. And Micaiah, for everyone who is listening to their various podcasting platforms, what should they do? You should like, follow, or subscribe to the podcast. Uh, so when we release new episodes, they're you know right there for you, ready to go. Um, also, if you like what you hear, you know, when you feel so inclined, leave a five-star review or you can do one better and write a review. It helps other people find the show and lets us know what it is that you like. Uh, so that'd be, you know, much appreciated. Um, Rob, you and I also have some plugs. Um, I'm a bad friend. I haven't listened to your new podcast yet uh, because I've been in Wu-Tang land and pavement land um, nonstop. But let, let people know what you've been doing. Yeah. So uh, in addition to this podcast, I have a new podcast that launched called generous orthodoxy. Uh, It's a 15, 20 minute podcast. Uh, It comes out weekly about the messy human intersection of uh, culture, history, politics, and religion. And so we've, we've talked about things like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, the Southern history of a Japanese plant called kudzu, and uh, this week, the rise and fall of dispensationalism, understanding the idea of the rapture, where it came from, and how it has no basis in historic Christianity. I love that. And I've got a couple of things 
two uh, listeners have heard me talk about this before, but I've been writing for a company called Bandbox, who releases records, you know, reissues and different color variants. And with each issue, you get a fan zine. And I've been writing for some of those zines, um, including you know, uh, Matador Records label mates. You know, if you like Pavement, then uh, you might like uh, Yola Tango and Kurt Vile. And um, I wrote for And Then Nothing Turned Itself Inside Out and for the 10th anniversary of uh, Waking on a Pretty Days by Kurt Vile. So those are available on Bandbox uh, right now. So oh, and, then, can... don't, and don't forget this. Not only are you writing for Bandbox, but listener, uh, we've mentioned it a few times. Would you please go to Bloomsbury Publishing and pre-order Micaiah's 33 and a third on the Clash of Sandinista, which is coming out March of 2024? Thanks. I did forget that. So, Well, Micaiah, we have heard a lot about Slanted and Enchanted and Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. We've heard a lot of music by Pavement. And as I shared at the end of our conversation with Tim and Elizabeth, um, I'm the only one of the four of us who does not rank Terror Twilight as the fifth of the five Pavement albums. And so I'm going to leave our listeners with my favorite song from Terror Twilight and maybe a top five favorite Pavement song for me. Here's Spit on a Stranger. Great pick. We'll see you next week.
try to 